0: Oh praise God, it's so good to be here and uh, just to be with you, I, the first thing we want to do this morning is uh, we have Joel the second as if the first wasn't enough. Now we, <laughs> ding, 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 round two. So Joel, if you'll come and give me two years uh, no, just kidding um, and the uh, interesting thing about Joel, son of Joel. You could make a movie out of that. <laughs> it would be on sci-fi or something. <laughs> Son of Joel um, is that this Joel over here was in our youth group, and I think he was probably 10 or twelve, and he would say, "I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be you know, a lot of people say they're going to be something." And you're like, "Yeah, you know, okay, whatever. But you know, there was something about this kid. And even when he would screw up and you would say, Joel, you screwed up. Tears come to his eyes He'd say, I know. And he'd be right back at it. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a pastor. Well, I'll be a son of a gun. He's a pastor, you know? And so I'm here today to confer uh, upon him credentials, ministry credentials. But the, the first thing I want to say is your credentials were laid out in heaven. I mean, we're, we're going to recognize something that God has done. Can, can you get your mind wrapped around that? We're, we're going to say, you know, we're going to lay hands on him. But when we lay hands on him, that's, that's our recognition that God really has done this thing in his life. This is not, you know, we're laying hands on him, so man, now you got the goods. That's not how it works. God puts the goods in there. Man looks at it. Woman looks at it and goes, that looks like the hand of God. And so, Joel, would you come up? Gina, would you come up too? How many of you know when a man or a woman's called into ministry, particularly uh, as a married person, that that spouse (laughs) is kind of like, like it or not, you know, ready or not, here I come, Um, right? (laughs) You know, ask my wife. You know, sometimes her prayer is, how long, Lord, how long? You know, that woman is in this thing right next to him. So I want to read, Joel, I was just sitting there. One of the elders came over and made a, and made a joke. Oh, so you're getting a message. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of a little late on the uptake. Oh, yeah, that's me. I'm preaching. Uh, but this is the scripture that the Lord, while I was sitting right there, and I was just kind of looking around, we were worshiping. Isaiah chapter five verse, or, or, uh, f- chapter 42 and verse 5, and you might want to, you know, someday you're going to want to go back and read this because you're going to go, wait a minute, what was it he said? Why is okay? All right, all right. I'm good for another week. I'll, I'll give it another week, God. I, said, I remember. I said to Joel one. I said to Pastor Joel one time. Listen, until, if you don't quit this job at least three times, you haven't really started it. You know, it's like you. You have to get to the point in ministry, at home, raising your kids. How many people are raising kids? You know, those are the hands that are going like this, right? You know, and you reach a point where you go, I can't do this. And God goes, right. I'm not asking you to do this. I'm asking you to let me do this through you. It takes a long time to get that. About the time we have grandchildren, we finally get it. Thus says the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk on it, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. And I will hold your hand. He's the one you got to turn to. Dad's here and that's nice. But he's not going to be your source. I will keep you and I will give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. All the Gentiles in the room, raise your hand. That would be all of us, unless there's somebody, uh, unless there's a natural-born Jewish citizen here. To open the blind eye, see, that's healing. That's a healing anointing. That's being able to see and say, yeah, yeah, okay, I see sickness, but you know what? I see a God over the sickness. To bring out prisoners from the prison, that's deliverance. That's, That's rescuing people that... Get sideways for whatever reason, whatever happens in our lives, whatever crazy stuff we do to ourselves. Those who sit in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name. And I just had a sense that the Lord was it was as if the Lord is laying hands on you. And so we want to honor what God is doing, right? And um let's see what I've got. I got this. And so I'm going to read this certificate. This is a license to minister. What I'm going to want is uh, elders, mom, uh, family members from both, whatever. If you're you're here and you recognize this same call on this young couple, we want to come and lay hands on them and, and honor what God is doing. Amen. So here's what it says. It says, preach the word. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. This is to certify that Joel A. Trailer II, after satisfactory relation of Christian experience and views of Bible doctrine, was duly granted a license to preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ by a council of ministers of the Elam Fellowship of Lima, New York. And this was conferred on the 27th of June. It's taken me this long to get here. (laughs) Praise God. That's for you. Let me shake hands with you. And then this is your membership card. This is, you are now a card carrying Elamite. Okay, and there you can have that. Is
1: it, is, it, is it laminated?
0: It's laminated, brother. It's the real McCoy. So, anybody else want to come and lay hands on us? Come on, Gina. Don't you to get lost in the shuffle because you're going to be the thing that keeps him going. What are you doing? We're going to have room. We'll cram them in, just like we do at home. Are you going Yes. Praise God.
1: You probably already are, Kenny, but are you recording this? Okay, good. Thanks. <laughs>
2: You are a vessel of his calling, a vessel of his choosing. Before you were even fashioned in your mother's womb, the Lord called you to service. Don't be afraid to minister to others. Be an example to others because you are a witness of what God has done. God has prepared you for a service in which you can minister to other people particularly people who are not church people, but not right. limited to those people. There are people who will come to your, into your sphere of influence and be saved. But be aware, there are also people who will come to you for their own personal gain, personal need. And you must be able to distinguish who is your friend and who is not. This will come as you spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, spend time in meditation, mm. and the Lord will speak to you and guide you, because he has called you, and you are indeed a vessel of his truth Hallelujah. We agree
1: with heaven's decree, God, that which you have uh, called him, that he is birthed with your very purpose, God, we agree that he has an anointing from heaven. We agree, God, that he's a, an illustration of your heart in action. We agree that you've brought him the perfect helpmate. We agree, That's God, that, uh, that you are birthing in, in this family your great, holy, and high purposes. And we agree, God, that uh, wh- the word that was spoken over him is that he carries his own anointing. Mm. That, God, he's, uh, he isn't a uh, reproduction. Um, he's an upgrade. We agree right. with that, Lord. Thank you. We agree, God, that uh, you're going to gift Joel and Gina with every uh, tool, every gift that they need right. to be able to fulfill. Your your purpose as God, right. everything that will bring great honor to you, God, that you will seize and bring captive even anything that is a distraction in their lives, that it'll be as if one is... Uh, one is the cork when they need to be the cork, and the other's the plunger when they need to be the plunger and God that you'll use them to function in unison though it may seem they're in opposition and I agree that you'll keep peace in their home and in their hearts God as they uh, will use uh, that instrument which you bring so that this family will increase ever increase that they won't be able to slip it won't be once two steps forward one step back it won't be one step forward two steps back That's it'll right. be onward upward onward Hallelujah. upward onward upward in jesus name right. so father we thank you that uh, this day is a day where we can always reflect back yes that The day where we said there's a release, a fresh release, Mm -hmm. a fresh fire, a fresh anointing, a fresh uh, uh, hands on, laying hands on and releasing even of a resident anointing, a resident emerging anointing. I agree that the Lord has just declared that it is in there. It's already been prepared. And then there's the release. There's the release. So the Lord's going to burden you. The Lord's going to make it that his burden will be a delight in your heart and in your mind. And there will be times where it will be almost too heavy for you. And the pastor got it right when he says it will not be of your own accord, your own strength. It'll be what Mm -hmm. the Lord does. You will look to him and find your strength. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, Father, we gather today and we agree right now with, with, uh, that we're going to receive the ministry you bring forth from this couple. Thank you. I would ask everybody in the, the hearing today that you would agree right now that, see, Pastor Eric says, well, I'm going to give you a title. I can give you a title, but the people make you pastor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, folks, we have the decision that we're going we're gonna to help Joel to be our pastor. That's Amen. Right. Right. So Father, we receive right now that you want to impart into our lives that which uh, which we uh, we've seen a little bit of it, but God uh, nowhere near what uh, his That's potential right. is in you. More so God, more. we we say more. We more say God more. that we're having uh, hearts that will be open to uh, to hear uh, that God you will speak and you will help bring about change in our lives with the anointing that you're releasing even today. We agree with the the power of the laying on of hands, that it is a fresh impartation, that, God, we're representatives of you, but we're also, God, those who are crying out to you. So we yearn for and we desire to see uh, you move in power, for you to release fresh gifts into the body, into our lives. And so, God, we thank you this day for a, uh, a new beginning. We thank you for that which we have not seen nor ear has heard, nor has even entered into our heart, Mm -hmm. but is possible through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we pray that you would fill Joel and Gina with your Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. fill them up to overflow, great overflow, Jesus. that what will come forth Jesus. is the overflow of your Thank Holy you. Spirit. It will be the overflow. I agree that Thank Joel you, has Lord. a prophetic gift that has been put to the back. It has, been, uh, it has been somehow pushed away. I agree that, God, you'll bring that forth once again, prophetic images, prophetic words, God, words of knowledge, every gift, every spiritual gift. Fill him to mm-hmm. overflowing, mm-hmm. that this body, that this community, that God, this uh, this country would benefit from the overflow yes. anointing that Joel would walk with. And we thank you, God, for this glorious day and for your goodness, your kindness. How great is your love toward us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Amen. Good job.
1: And let's give him a praise offering. Can we do that? Amen. Hallelujah. And now we're going to unleash the beast. (laughs) Pastor Eric has a fresh word for us. I just want to say I really appreciate the fact
0: that their shirts kind of match. Joel, did you drink out of this?
2: Okay.
0: I said a meeting one time where the guy said, did you drink out of this? And the guy goes, yeah, but don't worry. I put it back. (laughs) As it to need is people helping you well it's just good to be here i'd like to introduce my daughter my youngest daughter deborah is with us wave your hand over there so they can see you we had the <laughs> we have uh, we have seven children has not affect effect affect us effect at all What am I doing here? I've got my. It's an iPad. They gave me an iPad. I think it's a form of slow torture. Because <laughs> now I have to learn something that's completely outside of who I am. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your pastor. And this is my first opportunity to be here since Pastor Joel has been here. And how long have you been here now? 10 years? 12 years? And so I I took his name and I made a little acrostic out of it. So if you want to write down anything, you can write J-O-E-L down the side of your paper. And I just want to give you four things. I I really felt, uh, Pastor, that the, the Lord laid it on my heart to say these things. So I'm not just, you know, I'm not buttering you up. I don't have any reason to butter you up. Um, but I want you to know what I really think in my heart. Now, listen, the other thing you need to understand is... We say glowing things about each other, but I want you to know this was not, this, this relationship has been forged, and it was forged to some degree in a furnace. Some of you are, are married, and you're in the furnace right now. See, the Bible says the two become one, but it doesn't say when. You notice that? We think it's like, I now pronounce thee blah, blah, bing. That works for about six months. See, and then, and then the reality of the whole thing kicks in. We had a great time uh, last night at the at the wedding for for Todd and Tricia, and uh, they're not in church today. I don't know, Joel. I don't, I just don't know what's happening. So, <laughs> anyway, um, it sometimes it's a lot of work to build relationship, but you know what I think? I think it's worth it. I think the Lord thinks it's worth. it. So stick with it. But anyway, for Joel, letter J is juggler. I have never met anybody who can keep more balls in the air at the same time and not make you realize, you know, we're in here last night and I'm watching him. He's running around and and he's greeting people and he's got the microphone. And I mean, I got to admit, it's the first time I ever saw somebody walk, you know, you walk your daughter down the aisle and then you blah, blah, blah. And then you turn around and you're like, Okay let's rock, let's do this, you know? And, and I was like, wow, because I called my wife when I got home. She goes, how did it go? I said, it was amazing. It worked. I was, because, you know, I got some daughters that are going to get married someday, and I'm like, how do I, you know, how do you be two places at once? Well, there's only one guy I know that can really do it. It's the juggler, you know? He Somehow he manages to do it, and he does it all well, and, he, and you don't feel any rush, you don't feel any haste, You know, in the middle of all that, he comes and he sits down with me and he's talking about my kids and talking about going fishing or, you know. I'm thinking, I would be spastic right about now. But Joel's able to do that. And the other one, the next one is, oh, and I put down old-fashioned. You know, he actually believes that if it says it in the Bible, it's true and you should do it. (sighs) Really. He believes that one man should marry one woman and stay married for life. Who would have thought? You know, he's got, he's got something. He's young on the outside. Actually, you look good, man. He's young on the outside, but on the inside, he's got some, there's some foundation in there that is not going to be, he's not going to be blown off the foundation anytime soon. You know, he's not one of these, uh, one of these double wides that gets wiped out by the windstorm. He's, he's rooted, and, and he's solid. He thinks that people are important. He thinks when you give your word, it matters. That's what I've discovered about Joel. Letter E is for excellence. I put down excellence for the king. No, not Elvis. Excellence for the king of glory. I mean, everything. I, I walked in this place, and I was like, this place speaks of excellence the table runners i know this isn't your usual setup but it's pretty cool isn't it you know excellence everything's excellence a world map why is that world map there because we never want to lose sight of the fact that that's what the lord god sent his only begotten son to rescue that we're in it but we're not all there is that's in it i think it's great we sang a song in spanish You know, in heaven, all the songs are going to be multilingual. Everything is going to be multilingual, multiracial, everything. So we might as well start practicing because we're going to have to get used to it. And then the last one is my kid's word, especially my 16-year-old daughter. Every other word out of her mouth that seems like legit, dad, it's legit. Do your kids do that here? Legit, man i I'm, I'm being legit well I, my understanding is what that means is I'm not lying. I don't know everything else they said, I guess was a lie, but this is not a lie. This is legit, but you know Joel is legit. You know what legit is to me? It's the real deal. We, we would say for my generation, the real McCoy and what what it is is what he is on the outside is what he is on the inside. He's not faking it, he's not pretending. From the moment that I met Joel, recommended to me by Pastor Mike Kavanaugh, the moment that I met him, there was an intensity about it. In fact, every now and then I'd have to sit I'd have to say, Joel, just take a breath, man. Kingdom's been here for like thousands of years. It's going to be all right. Well, he didn't come. They said they're going to. I know. They're gonna, it's okay. Very intense. Very into it. But that's because he's legit. He's the real deal, and he expects other people to be the real deal. And if he gives his word, he's going to honor it. And if somebody else gives their word, he's like in shock if they don't honor it. Why why would they do that? The scripture says of the Lord, it says there's no shadow of turning in him. I could say of you, brother, but I've discovered this. There's no shadow of turning. Still here. Still cranking. Hallelujah. Where's our hallelujah guy? I haven't heard any hallelujahs today. Where's the hallelujah guy? Oh, he had to work. Jeez. He needs, everybody needs, so somebody's going to have to fill in for him. There's no shadow of turning. And Joel's thinking God is the best and he deserves our best. Amen. So I just want to say, it's my privilege to be here. Um, you know, you invited me to be the guest or whatever, but, you know, I, I feel like it's my privilege to be here with you. And I'm really thrilled that we're together again. Amen. Arlene, it's so good to see you again. So good to see the kids and the grandkids. And, you know, another grandkid on the way. Sat and talked to Gina for a while last night. What a what a great family. So, And he didn't pay me to say any of this. It's all, it's all true. Now, I'll give you a little insight into my heart. After I told you how great Joel is, this is how I think. If you do a piece of jelly bread on the counter and somehow the jelly bread slips off the counter and falls to the floor, how's it going to land? On the jelly. It's like, it's a rule. Now, let me ask you this. If you have a cat and you turn the cat upside down and you let it go and it goes to fall to the floor, what will happen? The cat will turn around and land on its feet, won't it? It's amazing. Have you ever tried that? It doesn't, I mean, I don't want to like throw the cat to see what would happen, but you're still, you're curious. How fast could this cat be moving and still turn around? But here's how, here's how my mind works. What if I was to take a piece of jelly bread and strap it on the back of a cat? (laughs) See, that's the kind of stuff that I ponder. I'm just in my office going, oh, this is deep. See, now you're all going to be thinking about it, too. One of you is going to try it. Some kid here is going, oh, man, I can't wait to get home. Okay, today I want to talk, and I've got five minutes, So, uh, and I've got five points, so you guys better listen really fast, or this is not going to happen, that's all I can tell you. Five benefits of Holy Spirit living. Listen, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to say that if you're in this room and you've been married, or you've been in school, or you've had a girlfriend or a boyfriend, or you've become a Christian, or you serve in some capacity in some ministry. If you're you're somehow connected to something that's kind of process-oriented or relationship-oriented, I'm going to bet, and I would bet everything I have, that if you're here and you've been through or in that kind of a process, you have had times come to you when you've said, that's it, I quit. I quit. I'm done. I remember I came home. We have seven children, I told you. I came home one time, and, and we have the older kids are kind of spread apart, but the younger ones were like five, four, three, two. I remember coming home one day, and it was one of those days. Ladies, you know what those days are, right? You know, and there's a couple dirty diapers sitting next to the door, there's an aroma in the house, there's dirty dishes everywhere. You know, my wife's sitting in the corner with drool coming out the corner of her mouth. And I walked in the door and she goes, I don't want to be a parent anymore. And I'm like, you're not going anywhere, baby. You you are not getting out of here. You got at least another 15 years before you're going anyplace. I'll tell you that. Because you get to the point that you just say, I can't. I got to quit. I got to give up. So I want to speak to that today, and I want to speak about five benefits of Holy Spirit living. Psalm 103, beginning at verse 1. We're just going to do five verses, five verses in five minutes. Here's what it says in Psalm 103, verse 1. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. This is David telling himself, Did you ever talk to yourself? Yeah, if you're like me and you live in my house, I'm out in the garage and I'm like, half the time I get to the garage, I can't remember why I went to the garage. That's how bad it is. I'm standing in the garage going, I came out here for something. I'm not going in empty-handed because then everybody in the house will know I don't know what I'm doing. So I have to stand there. I'm like, please, God. I'll pick up a can of WD-40 and walk back in the house with it just so I don't have to face it. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I'm telling my soul, you better bless the Lord because you are walking a thin line right now. You're challenged, you're struggling. It's not easy. In fact, that word, that expression in the Hebrew literally means breathe or breathe deeply of life itself. What he's telling his soul, listen, breathe in what God has for you. You're going to reach moments when you want to quit. You don't want to be a parent anymore. You don't want to be a wife. You don't want to be a husband. You don't want to be a teacher. You don't want to be a pastor anymore. You've got to breathe in the life that God has for you. Because if you're breathing in just the natural air or just what everybody else is saying to you, you're going to continue on in the mindset that says, I've got to quit. I, there's nothing left in me. I can't do this. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Verse 2. And forget. Do not forget, forget not. In other words, the, the Hebrew says, do not mislay or misappropriate. Do not set aside. Do not be oblivious to what? All of his benefits. Don't you want a job with benefits? My first job with benefits was the United States Air Force. Now, granted, you have to kind of give a little to get a little if you've ever been there in the military. And here's a kicker for you. I'll show you how smart I am and you may not want me to finish speaking. I joined the military because I was tired of people telling me what to do. <laughs> I mean, I dodged the draft, I beat the draft. I didn't dodge it, I beat it. My my number was like 340. But I was tired of people telling me what to do, so I said, I know what I'll do. I'll go in the military you are not looking at the sharpest tool in the shed. You know, how do you think that worked out for me? Well, I I mean, everybody told me what to do. I mean, they got you saluting. You have to walk by. They have these cardboard things set up. They teach you how to salute. I mean, nobody knows how to salute. You have to be taught how to salute. I remember by the time they're done, you would salute Daffy Duck if he walked in the door. You're like paranoid. I remember we had a weekend leave one time, and a bunch of us went to the movies on on post, on, on base. We went to the movies. We come out, and as I'm coming down the stairs, my heart stops. Here comes a guy coming. He's got a white hat on. He's got gold brocade all over it. He's got epilepsy, little jangly things here, metals all over him, a big strap going across. And I'm like shaking on my boots. He walks by, and I pop a salute. The guy looks at me and nods and keeps going, and the DI turns, and he goes, beautiful, Scott. You just saluted the Bolivian band director. (laughs) Hey, man, better safe than sorry is all I can tell you. How did I know? Don't forget his benefits. Don't forget you got a job with benefits. So here they are. Number one, first benefit is unlimited possibilities. Verse three says this. He forgives or he pardons all every manner, altogether, any of your, it's personal. He forgives everything going on with you, all of your iniquities, all of your faults. I like this one, all of your mischief. Anybody ever do any mischief? Don't raise your hand. All of your deserved punishment. You know, so many people will say, well, God did this or God did that. You know, what I've discovered, most of the stuff that's happened in my life was my fault. I did it to myself. I didn't listen to my parents. I didn't listen to my pastor. I didn't listen to the word of God. And all of a sudden, I'm in up to my neck, and I'm like, oh, well, where is God? Well, where is God? He's on the sidelines saying, don't do that. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 8, he says this. I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me. I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed. And it will be to me a name of joy, a praise and honor before all the nations who shall hear all the good that I do for them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity. You hear what God is saying? All that he has is for us. Everything that he has, he's conferring on you. He is the God, number one, of unlimited possibilities. Number two, he is the God of divine protection. It says he heals some of your diseases. Is that what it says? He heals all of your diseases. I speak right now in the power of God that these diabetic conditions that our pastor was talking about earlier are stopped in their tracks in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever damage they have done, you are stopped in your tracks. We take authority today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we stop this attack. Do you realize that every disease that comes after you is sent after you by the enemy of your souls? You understand that? The Bible says only good comes from the Lord. I've had people say things like, well, you know, God's teaching me something. Well, good. God is teaching you something. But God has a lot of tools for teaching and disease is not one of them. That's not how he teaches us. He corrects us. He corrals us. He changes us. He sends people into our life to to speak into our hearts. But he doesn't have to make you sick to change you. Because he's, he's not the God of sickness. He's the God of healing. He says, I am the God who heals. He's the only God that claims that privilege and that authority. So I looked up all your diseases in Hebrews. Guess what? It, in, in, the book, in, in, the, in the Hebrew language. Guess what it means? All your diseases. Wow. Wow, well, who would have thought? All means all. Then, now, it doesn't matter. This is, this is like we're going back in time. You know, we're, we're talking about something from the book of Psalms. This is probably written maybe 1,000 B.C. Every word of it is still true today, is it not? That's the thing that's so miraculous about this book. It doesn't change. It doesn't matter what year it is. We used to sing a song called, Whose Report Will You Believe? Have you ever sang that song? I mean, the question really is, it's like we're asking ourselves, whose report will you believe? You know, am I going to believe the doctor? Am I going to believe the television set? Am I going to believe the, the newspaper? Am I going to believe what, what's happening in politics or in the world around? What am I going to believe? And the, the, we have to settle the issue in our heart that says, you know what? I read in the scripture that this God provides for us, this God care for us. I think I'm going to believe that. I'm going to choose to believe what he says as opposed to what everybody else says. Says, Um, You know, we say around our church that truth trumps fact. So the fact may be the doctor says, I discovered this condition. But the truth says, I'm the God who heals you. You know, the fact may say that the the, uh, tax attorney says to you, you're going to have to declare, you know, bankruptcy. But the truth says, I will provide for every need that you have. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The fact says your family member is history. I mean, you'll never get him back. He's he's just completely gone over the wall. He's completely lost it. But the truth says my word will not return to me void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it was said. And you've prayed for that family member. You've prayed for that child. You've prayed for that estranged husband or wife or some situation going on in your community or your neighbor to come to Christ. You've prayed. You've, you've spoken the word of God. And God says that word is still going. It's still moving. There's no friction in the kingdom of heaven to slow down the word. That word is still going on. And it will accomplish the purpose for which it was said. Number three, the third benefit of Holy Spirit living is number three, supernatural earthly purpose. Very important that you put the word earthly in there because everybody can imagine that heaven is great. And when we get to heaven, it's going to be golden streets, and it's, everything's going to be perfect, and there's no sickness, and there's no crying, and, and there's no pain. And there's, there's unity for all the peoples, and, and there's no racial dis- disturbance. It, it's, all, it's perfect. But God is promising something better for this earthly life. You don't have to wait to get to heaven to capitalize on what God has given to you. You can live in the presence of the Lord, in the power of the Lord, and you can do it right now, right here on this planet. You can do it in your family. You can do it in this church, in this community, in this state, in this nation. Hey, I'm as concerned about what's happening out in Washington as anybody else is, but you know what? I'm not looking to Washington. I'm looking to the Lord God Almighty. It says here, he redeems your life from destruction. One version says, from the pit. Anybody here ever been in the pit? I came from the pit. They could make a a movie about me, the creature from the pit. We used to sing a song, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You ever sing that? What's that saying? What's that saying? If God has done something in your life, tell somebody about it. Tell your neighbor about it. Rehearse it to one another. What does it say? It says, one generation will praise your works to another. I think that's Psalm 145. One one generation, you know what that says to me? Let me tell you about my God. No way, pop, sit down. You had your turn. Let me tell you about God. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. Let me tell you what he did in my wife's life. Let me tell you. We had a situation happen in our church where we had a young couple. They tried to get pregnant. Tried, tried, tried didn't happen. She finally became pregnant. And somehow I've never even heard of this. Maybe some of you know more about medicine. I do, but somehow as the, as the, the lady was close to delivering the baby, her water was like absorbed by her body. The amniotic fluid just dried up. And so the baby was in the uterus with no fluid in there for, they think a couple days and then and then of course they had to deliver the well the baby was tremendously sick had aspirated all kinds of stuff they called me in a panic i get there both sides of the family are there. Everybody is crying and sobbing. The nurses are saying, just make them comfortable, Pastor. I'm like, what's happening? Well, this baby is born finally. You can imagine that the, finally the baby is born finally. That, and, and they're saying Bab- the baby is not going to make it. This And I walked in the door, and it was like the fire of God hit my soul. And I said, this baby is going to be fine. Well, the nurses went bonkers. One of the nurses calls me over, and they're like, Reverend, we you, you just can't really give false hope. I said, ma'am, I don't think fa- I don't think hope is ever false. Sometimes it's all you got, you know, is hope. And so I go back in there and, and I start telling the, the mom, of course, she's a wreck. I and mean, you can imagine the lady who gave birth, she's a total wreck. Her husband is right behind her. The mother on the other side, she's like a screamer. You know, I'm like, easy. You know? And uh, and, there, and th- then the, the father, he's getting mad at me because I'm saying God's going to do a miracle. God's in the midst of doing a miracle here. And he's saying, "We really don't think you ought to be talking like this." And all of a sudden, I said to the, I said to the mom and the husband, I said, "God says this is not unto death. This child is going to recover by this afternoon. They will begin taking wires and tubes out of this little girl. Her name is Gabriella, by the way. So." And I'm thinking, wow, God, you got me way out on the ragged edge now. I mean, this is, and I said, I want to see the baby. Well, you know, you have to get a gown, whatever, gown me up, beam me up. I'm going in there and I'm laying hands on, oh, you can't touch the baby. Fine. I'll touch the crib. Well, you can't touch any of this stuff. Fine. I won't touch this stuff. I'll touch the side of the crib. And I had an intern with me from Elam. This guy's eyes were this big. He was saying nothing. Oh God! Oh great! Oh look at I'm with this maniac, and so we go in there and uh, and they gown us all up. We go in there. I said, "Come on, intern, you come with me. You not leave me hanging out the drive by myself. I mean, if we're going down, we're going down together, bro." So we go in there and, and went up, laid hands on the side of the crib, said, thank you, Lord, for your healing. Thank you for your power. Thank you that these hoses are coming out. By the time I drove from Rochester back to my house, which is about a 50-minute drive, I get a text message. They took the first tube out right then. It was about two thirty, three 3 o'clock. By that evening, they'd taken two or three more tubes out. Within two or three days, all the tubes were out. The baby, the other day, I was walking down the hallway of the church, and all of a sudden, this, like this, uh, you guys ever seen the Tasmanian devil? Like this whirlwind goes by and papers are fluttering and everything. I was like, what the heck was that? And, and I look up, oh, it's Gabriella. She's about three now. And she is tearing the place apart and she is full of it. Let me tell you, she's got more life for a dead person than you've ever seen in your life. See, and I love the doctors. It's just that, look, we have got to be looking to a source that transcends anything that the people around us are going to have to offer, anything the professionals are going to have to offer. We have a supernatural earthly purpose. The power of God works right here on earth. It's not just for heaven. There's a deposit locked up in every single person in this room that only you can bring to the table. Only you can bring to the fabric of this church. Only you can invite that neighbor and have the credibility to invite them to come to the Lord. Only you can invite the school kids to come to the, to the youth group. Only you are the one that God has, has set in your heart to reach out or to care or to begin a new ministry or to serve with the pastor or to help or to paint a wall. Only you. That's why nobody else, you're like, well, somebody should be doing this. Well, hey, guess what? You thought of it. Guess who I think God is calling to do it. Always gets quiet when you say that. He has redeemed you. He has rescued you. He has drawn you to himself, and he's done it for a purpose. You guys are going to have to listen a little bit faster. Number four, the next benefit. And this is right in the scripture. You can do this yourself. I'm no, I'm no big, this is no big deal. I looked at the scripture and go, oh, look what it says. Number four, incredible spiritual power. It says he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. He has imparted to you. He loves you, and I think Pastor Joel said this. He loves you, and he is in love with you. That's that. That most guys go, ooh, it's <laughs> just too weird. The girls are like, oh, get this one, guys. Stick this one in your whatever. Think about this. You are the Lord's bride. I know. <laughs> Oh, please, I can't take it. It's hard to think like a bride. It does something to you. But that, that whole idea of, of preparation, of, of being ready, of, of caring what you look like. He has given himself so that you and I would have this level of authority, this level of power. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six says this. He is a rewarder of those who what? diligently seek him. He's a rewarder. Do you believe that he rewards you? You know, I I I, I like the way you guys do the offering. I like the way you, you walk the offering up. God's called us to tithe to the local church. I don't know how much of that teaching you hear, But if you don't tithe, You've driven you've driven a, a wedge between you and what God wants to do in your life and in your finances. You know, somebody say, Well, I, I had somebody tell me one time, well, I'm tithing five percent. Well, you know No. The word tithe means tenth. There's no such thing as a five percent tithe. You can't tithe half a tithe. And since God's promise kicks in at ten percent, don't don't shout me down, I'm leaving in a little while. If you're giving 5%, brace yourself, your finances are still under a curse. Well, that's not fair. It's totally fair. He said it starts at 10%. The grace, the blessing, pardon me, the honor kicks in at 10%. I had a guy tell me one time, I'm given 3%. I was like, you mealy mouth, little. How can you even know you're given 3%? Isn't it easier to figure out 10? It's like they tell me, when you go to the restaurant, 18%. Who can figure that out? Give her 20. She's worth it. Give her 25. Really, do I have a couple minutes? Uh, can, how many people give me five minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20. I got plenty of time. <laughs> um, we were in... We were in Florida. There were several of us in Florida, and it was me and two other ministers. We went to this little international house of pancakes to eat breakfast. And while we were sitting there, you know, we, you order, I mean, the whole meal was probably $21 for all three of us. And, um, and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, give this guy a $20 tip. Okay, it's your money. What it, you know, honestly, it's not your money. It's his. It's, it's like on loan. And you have to give an account for it. So I said, "Okay, I'll give him twenty bucks." So Joe, one of the other guys sitting there, says, "What are you doing?" I said, "The Lord told me to give this guy a twenty dollars tip." And he goes, "Well, God told me to give him twenty dollars too." I said, "Great, put it up there." So then we look over at the other guy, Chris, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> <I> <laughs> no no pressure, man. Everybody else is giving twenty. What are you gonna do?" Oh, I was thinking I'd give two bucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. So he goes, well, I'll give 20 bucks too, you know? So here's the deal. We get a $22 meal. We leave the guy a $60 tip. And, uh, and we didn't think, we, we just left it on the table. We left, we went, walk out to get into, our, get into our, our car. And all of a sudden we hear, hey, hey, you guys. We turn around, it's the waiter. He's chasing us into the parking lot. We said, yeah. And he comes up and uh, he says, what are you doing? I said, "Well, the Lord told us to leave you a good tip and he put it on each of our hearts to leave you. We included the other guy even though we dragged him. <laughs> he put it on each of our hearts to leave you 20 bucks apiece. So we left you $60 for a tip." And he goes, "The Lord told you that?" We said, "Yeah." And he started to cry. I said, "What's up, man? What's going on?" He says, "My father's a pastor and I left home years ago." And now my wife has left me too. And I just have been feeling that I need to be reconciled with my parents. And he said, I know it now. So we didn't know this guy from Adam, never seen him before, never going to see him again, most likely. But see, God used something really simple. God will speak into your heart to do something. And you'll be saying, well, that's crazy. You don't leave a $60 tip for $20 meal. At least I wouldn't mind being a waiter for that one. I mean, all the waitresses in the room are going, well, where were you guys? I, I, by the way, my, my restaurant's right down the bottom the hill. Give me 15 minutes. I'll be there. You know, those guys, they're mine. Send them to my table. Number five, inexhaustible heavenly provision. Says here, he satisfies your mouth with good things. I want to read you this. I I, I read a uh, Spirit-filled Life Bible. It's uh, Jack Hayford. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but he has all these little notes in here where he takes words and he just defines them. And in John chapter ten, verse ten, you know the Lord says the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. You know that part. And he says he says. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So here's Jack Hayford describing the word abundantly. He says it means superabundance, excessive, overflowing, surplus, over and above, more than enough, profuse, extraordinary, above the ordinary, more than sufficient. Isn't that great? So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, when, when, the, when the Lord gives supply, it's not like, you know, just enough to go by. That, that $20 that we that we gave that that young fella, uh, that's probably been replaced hundreds of times over since then. It's, $20 is, is no problem for him. It's no issue. Listen, you, the, the key is, will you honor the Lord with everything that he gives you? The Bible says the first fruit of all your increase. All your increase. Will you honor him? Because you have inexhaustible heavenly provision. You don't have to worry about anything. I love it when Moses in the building of the tabernacle, it says here, Exodus chapter 36 and verse 7, Moses eventually, they, they begin bringing in the gold. Do you remember this? They bring in gold and silver and bronze and they're melting it down. They're making all these articles for the tabernacle and everything. And it says it says here that Moses had to tell them, quit bringing stuff. And it says, Exodus chapter 36, verse seven, it says, for the stuff that they had was sufficient for the work to make it. And it was too much. How many times have you had to tell the people, no more offerings? Don't bring I'm, I'm tripping over the money. It's no more offerings. It's just, it's too much. I'm tired of monkeying around with it. Just do something else with it. You know, join the NRA. You know, do something. You have too much from God. You have enough and too much. That's what abundance is all about. And then he wraps up this little section. He says this, all these promises come all the way through verse five. And it says, so that your youth is renewed like the Eagle. See, this is a job with benefits. Now, I want to understand this area has been hit with the economy, the way things are. I know all the way up into Michigan up there really got clobbered in the economy. But I just want to say, I, I was at a wedding. I did a wedding a couple weeks ago. It was an outdoor wedding. And this, this elderly fellow, I mean, he had to be 80 plus. Him and his wife, you know, and they've been married. I think they were telling us they've been married 67 years or something. I mean, just amazing. They're sitting on a little park bench. It was really hot. It was outdoors. We're waiting for the wedding to get underway, like we were last night, waiting for the bride. You know, it's a story of our life. Um, there's a country western song, something about waiting on a woman. That's yeah, pretty much okay. Don't raise your hand and let's not go there. So anyway, this old guy—he looks at me and he's and he's just kind of sitting with his wife, and he's just a cute little couple. I have got my Bible. I'm waiting for things to happen, and and he goes, "I got a question for you, Reverend." I said, "Yeah." He says, "Well, all the oil's out west, right? Yeah. Well, if all the oil's out west, how come all the dipsticks are in Washington?" I said, Could be meaningful discussion worth, worth looking into this. I'm telling you, I have not seen this guy before. It's like, I'm a magnet for this stuff. It just comes to me. I'm like, oh, really good brother. I just want to say this. Washington's not your source. Some government program is not our source. We have a source. He's in heaven. And guess what? He's secure. Your source is secure. My source is secure. We're not worrying. We're not sweating. We're not running hitherto and yon. And, and you know, look, we get, our, our, we get concerned just like everybody else, but God has got a plan for us. Okay, let's get done. You've listened pretty good this last section. You did pretty good. I, I want to read a passage from the Message Bible, and then we'll close. This is uh, Eugene Peterson from the Message Bible. Here's 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says this, the world is unprincipled. Have you noticed? It's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. We never have and we never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, for tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Praise God. So here's the deal. Don't forget. Don't forget. Be reminded. In him, you have unlimited possibilities. In him, you have divine protection. In him, you find supernatural earthly purpose. Oh, it's so important. David said at one point, I would have lost heart unless I had believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Right here and now. In him, you have incredible spiritual power. And in him, you have an inexhaustible heavenly provision. Would you bow your hearts with me, please? Lord, we recognize today that you are the great I am. You are the great provider. You are the great healer. You are the inspirer. You're the one that directs our hearts. You're the one that lifts us up and helps us and stands us back on our feet and we think, one, just one more day. God, I can't do one more day. You're the one who's gone before us. You're the one who's acquainted with grief. You're the one who knows what it is to be forsaken and left aside. You're the one who knows what it is to be resurrected, to be filled with power, to be filled with joy, which is our strength. You're the one, oh, God. And, Lord, this morning, this afternoon, we submit our hearts to you. We submit our lives to you. We welcome you, God, to be the capstone of our lives. And we receive, Lord, in your presence all that you have for us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.
1: Thank you, Jesus. This song is totally befitting. And as I was sitting there, Pastor Eric, as you shared, and um, in the midst of the preaching, see, he's got notes, but he comes off the notes. I know he did. He come off the notes to give the word about, the word is really impregnated. Do you know that? You've just been impregnated by the word of God because he spoke a word that comes into you that you may be a couple of days before you just conceived, but you may be a couple of days before you realize what God did in inside of you. See, that He imparted life to you, and you'll get that it, it happened just like conception did. Remember that? Just no, well, I didn't know that till there's some evidence. Something begins to manifest. And that's what we have today, because Pastor Eric delivered that word that says we can have an expectation of a manifestation of the truth of God's word. Amen. I'm going to ask a couple of you. You know what to do with this. We have a, a few of you who are visitors this morning, and and uh, we call. It, we're, we're confused sometimes if you're guests or if you're visitors. We want you to be uh, friends. You're part of the family of God, so we'd love you.